0: Welcome to 60 Weeks, 60 Books. This week, week seven, I'm exploring the first play by Shakespeare that I remember seeing in performance. How it came about, when it came about, I'm not sure. Somehow my mother, working at Washington International School, was part of a school trip to see a production of Twelfth Night put on by, or near, or in, the Folger Institute, one of Washington's shakespeare charities there was one obstacle to this rare cultural opportunity me i was very small there was no one to babysit me so i had to come along my mother could be fearsome she told me very clearly that this was live theater i was not to make one sound not one during the performance or there would be consequences unnamed but terrible And I might well be bored because it was Shakespeare and I would not understand it, but if I was bored, I was to keep it to myself and sit still. No wriggling. Technically, I'm not sure that it was my first Shakespeare. I'd been exposed to the language, the poetry, the rhythm, the rhymes, because my mother had taken out various recordings of classical productions from the local library and I had heard them while she ironed and I played with cars or Lego. They all blurred into one great bard fest voiced by John Gilgood, Lawrence Olivier, Richard Burton, Dorothy Tutin, Paul Schofield, Peggy Ashcroft, Edith Evans and a very young Maggie Smith. So we went. The performance was in the round, the scenery sparse, gantries clearly visible with lighting vi- uh, also visible round raked seating. A quick summary of the play viola a young noblewoman from sicily is shipwrecked on the shores of illyria she decides to dress in male clothing for protection and finds herself joining the household of duke orsino as a page orsino believes he is in love with olivia a local noblewoman currently in deep mourning for her brother orsino sends viola with gifts to olivia Viola meets Olivia's household, her uncle, Sir Toby Belch, a forerunner of Falstaff, large, drunken, mischievous. His pale and wan friend, Sir Andrew Aguecheek, Mariah, Olivia's lady-in-waiting, and Malvolio, her steward. Olivia falls in love with Viola, believing her to be a young man. Viola falls in love with Orsino. It does work out in the end. But part of the action involves Belch and Mariah devising a prank, to punish Malvolio for his killjoy, authoritarian nature by making him believe that Olivia is in love with him. They forge Olivia's handwriting and drop the letter for Malvolio to find, apparently addressed to her unknown beloved. He picks it up, interprets it as a set of instructions to win Olivia's heart and follows the instructions. To wear yellow stockings, cross-gartered, To smile, to be surly with servants and Sir Toby, and put thyself into the trick of singularity. I remember liking Viola, a girl in boys' clothing, most appealing to a child who already knew that boys had more opportunity, more possibility, more freedom than girls. Belch and Aguecheek were great physical comics, easily accessible to anyone with a basic familiarity with the dynamic of the little and large comic duo. I understood the trick they were pulling on Malvolio and seared on my memory is Malvolio's appearance when he believes that it is he Olivia loves. Bright yellow long johns, cowboy boots, aviator specs. I knew I had to sit still and be quiet but it was hard. He was so funny, so ridiculous, so deluded. It is clear to a child just how unkind the trick played on Malvolio is, particularly at the very end when he is brought on stage dishevelled, distressed and grubby from being locked away in a dark place. Although Olivia and Orsino, unaware of the prank, baffled by what has happened to Malvolio, do try to be kind, he cannot be placated and storms from the stage... Declaring, I'll be revenged on the whole pack of you. A dark end to a light play. Several of the comedies include that dying fall, that hint, that amidst the restoration of order implicit in the ending of any comedy, the reunions and reconciliations between parent and child and lovers, the multiple marriages, the songs and dances, still chaos, danger and misrule linger, ready To reassert themselves. Today let us celebrate, for tomorrow battle will recommence. Of course, at five or six I was oblivious to the menace. I loved the costumes, the act of putting on another person's guise, the possibility of embodying a totally different person. As an only child I had a rich group of imaginary friends and family from my earliest conscious moments, sometimes from my own imagination sometimes borrowed from the books I knew. Pooh and Piglet, Ratty and Mole were as real to me, perhaps more real, than my peers at school. My dearest friend at school, Betsy, was, like me, a bookish only child, devoted to Nancy Drew. And we had complex, ongoing adventures where the very basic playground of our school, equipped with swings, one roundabout, a slide... And most wonderfully, an old boat stripped of all its mechanical trappings became exotic locations where we spied on villainous miscreants, escaped dangers and triumphantly caught the bad guys. Betsy and I invented characters for ourselves and I know that mine was a mishmash of Viola, George from the Famous Five, Bonnie from the Wolves of Willoughby Chase and Dido Twite also from Joan Aiken's Wolves books, set in an alternative 19th century. Girls could be strong and do great, brave deeds, but sometimes they had to cross-dress and conceal themselves. An important lesson for a small female. Viola remains my favourite woman in Shakespeare, although Beatrice from Much Ado About Nothing runs her a close second. They, along with Rosalind from As You Like It, Cleopatra, Paulina from A Winter's Tale and Portia from The Merchant of Venice, are vivacious, shrewd and witty, strong women who make their own decisions and do not shrink from challenging the men around them. What I particularly admire about Viola is her stoicism. She believes her brother to have drowned. She is cast up on a strange shore. Though inclined to seek a place in service with Olivia, the Countess currently in mourning for her own brother, she decides she will be safer in the guise of a eunuch, Cesario, working for the Duke. She knows herself. When Orsino sends her to woo Olivia in his name, she wryly admits, whoe'er I woo myself would be his wife. When she arrives at Olivia's house and meets Olivia, she is cheeky, ironic, mischievous the conflict between the errand she has been given to make orsino's case and her own desire for orsino makes her playful and her own sense of the ridiculous makes her recognize the phoniness of orsino's feelings for olivia olivia asks how does he love me viola replies with adorations fertile tears with groans that thunder love with sighs of fire Inadvertently, though, Viola ensnares Olivia with her own gentler version of how a man should woo a woman, writing loyal cantons, singing them loud even in the dead of night, calling her name to the reverberate hills and making the babbling gossip of the air cry out, Olivia. The intertwining of romance and music is, at least for me, magical. Some find Shakespeare's comedies problematic, unfunny, full of basic stereotypes and crude toilet humour, and in the case of The Merchant of Venice, outright racist and anti-Semitic. There are plenty of readers out there who are mystified by the idea that anyone could or would find Shakespeare genuinely funny. And Twelfth Night absolutely fits the bill here. The cruel mockery of Malvolio and the suspicion that greets the outsider, the foreigner. Whenever people say this, though, I remember the sheer joy of watching Twelfth Night and later A Midsummer Night's Dream, absolutely jam-packed with innuendo and basic jokes about French crowns, for The Slapstick, the dramatic irony, the confusions and mistaken identities, the phony fights between Viola and Andrew Aguecheek, or between Demetrius and Lysander, Hermia and Helena. Seeing Twelfth Night was the moment I fell in love with Shakespeare. And that is a love that has endured. Join me next week. In week eight, I'll be looking at ballet shoes, uh, the. Text which dates from the 30s and which is an absolute blueprint for work ethic, diligence, resilience and determination in girls. Join me then. Goodbye.